You're listening to Ink Studs, and my guest this week is Kat Verhoeven. Hello. I got it right. Yes, you did. <laughs> I'm always worried because, like, someone will correct me. Like, I'll, I'll get the name right before I start, and then I'll start and, like, completely forget what the person said, and I feel like an asshole. So I don't feel like an asshole right now, I hope. <laughs> you haven't made an asshole of yourself yet. Woohoo! Three <laughs> seconds in. Um, hey, here we go. Kat's uh, new book uh, from Conundrum Press is Tower Kind, um, as well as the webcomic that you've been working on um, for the last. How long have you been working on it? Uh, about three and a half years, I think. And that's Meat and Bone. Mm-hmm. Was there any overlap in time, or is Tower Kind done a lot longer? ago no there was a pretty big overlap i started meat and bone and worked on it for about a year and then i started working on tower kind and i was doing both at once but it was really messing me up because i was also working full-time and i think i was finishing school at the time so i actually put the webcomic on hold for a year and then did tower kind got that done picked the webcomic back up got tower kind to conundrum for the collection and now the webcomic is updating twice as much so it was just like a bit of a grind. Huh. Were you drawing them dramatically different sizes? Um, the line weight looks looks kind of different. Yeah, meat and bone is drawn at like two times the size, or or almost three times the size. Tower kind was one to one. I'm pretty sure. Oh wow. Yeah. That's tiny. Yeah, it was super tiny. It's a little book. <laughs> Did you use a? Because I know you use a sketchbook for meat and bone. Mm-hmm. Did you also use like a separate sketchbook for? Tower kind. Uh, no, that I was doing loose. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was really fascinating to see your pages that they were actually just a sketchbook full of and and no um there were no fuck up pages <laughs> there were no no i'm uh, i'm really against doing redos uh-huh. so i'm kind of uh stubborn and obstinate and if i make a mistake i'll just forge ahead and i'll usually like i'll fix it in post and then just try and learn from the mistake going forward which was really bad when i started doing that everything was really ugly but i think i'm starting to get to a point where it looks good most of the time uh, it was very clean though is there is there much um do you do a lot of pre-planning before you do a page? Um, no. <laughs> Sorry, no. But you said you really... write in advance. I do. And then sometimes I'll get to the page and they're like, no, I don't like that anymore. I'm changing. Nice. So. <laughs> so I remember the letter. You're doing some of the lettering that was... Uh, yeah. Uh, I was hand lettering meat and bone and um, I just got to a point where I was really, really unhappy with it mm-hmm. and I couldn't keep up with it at the rate I wanted to be making the pages, so I just kind of went, fuck it. And um, I'm doing digital lettering now, which I'm not happy with either, so I'll probably go back when I get a chance, figure out my lettering, re-letter everything there is, fix it, and continue going with lettering, or I'll wait until it's done and then re-letter it, and if Mm -hmm. I do a print edition, it'll just look consistent. So it's a little bit bit sloppy, but... But in being such a clean and pretty... But I feel like we're kind of, um, I feel like we're going backwards so far in this talk, and we should kind of go back at the... Uh... Jump to the gut? Yes. <laughs> I'm interested in kind of talking to you about um, kind of your introduction to comics and when you first started. Uh, had, you, had you always been drawing? Um, well, yeah, but I mean, doesn't everyone say that? Yeah, I've always been drawing. Uh, I think the, the coolest thing I can say about like starting drawing is um, my mom started trying to immigrate to Australia when I was 13. Mm-hmm. And when we first did that, she just like, within a couple months, packed us up, shipped us off, and she didn't have a plan. We were just there. So suddenly I was in this country where I didn't know anybody. I'm a really geeky, uh, sort of 
insular kid, mm -hmm. and she hadn't figured out how to get us into school. So we were there for a year without school and without friends and with like very little family. So it was me and my sister, and I had nothing to do. Um, and I had a friend back in Kingston, which is where I'm from, who mm -hmm. was like a budding writer. She was like a couple years older than me. I think she was 15. So she sent me these comic scripts, and I would draw them. So by the time I was 14, I had like a 350-page comic I'd drawn. And it was just one series? <laughs> yeah, it was just one series. And it, wow. it was like, it's actually still online. <laughs> you nice. can read it if you want. What's it about? Um, it is about a girl who lives on a flying ship and her best friend. And I didn't write this, but it's actually mm -hmm. an okay story. Um, I should say the writer's name is Elise Haskell. She wrote this when she was 15. And what's the comic called? Uh, it's called Girale, which is J-I-R-A-L-E. It's still there. You can look it up if you feel the urge. Um, and it's about a girl on a flying ship whose mentor is killed, and they jump off the ship with some mystical armor, and then they go on an adventure in the woods forever, meeting some scavengers, and then there's like a massacre, and it's really bloody and um, violent. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, depressing, actually. It's really, really depressing. So that was a fun thing to work on when I was 13. And did it actually come to a conclusion? No, no, because I realized, like, we were on chapter 12 or something, and there was, like, 30 chapters, and I was getting, like, more into high school, and um, I'd, I'd gone back to Canada by then. Mm -hmm. And I just wasn't into the story direction. What actually happened is the writer killed off like 50% of the characters in one chapter and I was just like fuck this story I'm right. done so I like I left <laughs> I was my first artistic disagreement with somebody I was working with. nice yeah that's really neat like there's the idea of like you need to work through so many pages to kind of find your voice and did you find like looking at the trajectory of where you got by the time you quit the book um to like comparisons to where you came at with your current work um, so, sometimes I actually go back to thinking about that story and how free I felt doing it because I knew nothing about making comics. I re I'd read some comics, but mostly I was into Sailor Moon. And um, I really liked Yu Watase, who's the artist be behind Pushigi Yugi. So it was mostly manga that I was reading. Do you have a favorite Sailor Scout? Uh, Jupiter. Nice. Hands down. Yeah. <laughs> Robin, let me tell you a trick here. When people ask you what your favorite Sailor Scout is and if you don't know what they're talking about, you always just say Sailor Uranus. And they're like, huh, and then you like giggle at <laughs> Uranus. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a trick that I've honed over these past sixty years of my life. Oh wow, yeah. So that'll, that'll get me uh, through the war. Anyway, sorry to derail things. <laughs> well, what are your favorite sa sailor scouts now? I want to know. Uh, sailor Uranus. Thanks for asking. <laughs> yeah, I guess I, I like tuxedo masks. Not really though. Tuxedo masks is kind of a dick. I like, um, I like his, uh, I like how teenage girls. Talk about tuxedo mask. It's really hilarious. I have a, I have a, not a, I don't hang out with a lot of teenage girls, but I have a little sister, so. Who is not a teenager anymore, I assume? She's 18, but oh. she's a monster. <laughs> wow, you're nice. That's no, actually, we, that we, that's her nickname, is actually the monster. Well. She has more tattoos than me now. She's a monster. But she sounds cool. Yeah, she's very cool. She knows I care very much about her. And she's always welcome at my house. But she's a monster. <laughs> um, so were, were you doing comic books? Was it was it constant? Did you continue doing comic books while you were in high school? And then, uh, no. I, well, I I did like some stuff for the school newspaper, but mm -hmm. I definitely kind of stopped around the end of high school and into university. I was like, I'm going to be a serious illustrator. I'm I'm not going to do these silly comics anymore. I'm going to you know focus 
on my part. Right. And like that didn't really work for me. Well, did, was that at all influenced by the type of art that you're looking at there? I think so. I think it was. I mean, going to a really sort of um, con like OCAD's a really concept school. They want you to really do uh, thinking work and stuff like that, which is great. Um, but I don't think I really equated that to doing like fun comics, which is I'm more into fun comics than into like super super arty work. But I mm -hmm. still feel like my work is always flip-flopping between being really artistic and expressive and like esoteric and then flipping back to being like, I really want to do a romance, romance comic and right. I want to draw some kissing and like it's always like a tug of war, I'm never sure. That seems like, like an ideal back and forth though. It's not bad. You're like, oh, the thing about my work is it's got a lot of really interesting high concepts but it's also fun. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> really dropped the ball. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I think that's an accurate uh, description of what I read of your stuff. Um, I was I was surprised I was surprised in reading Tower Knight how much I expected it to be drier I think hmm. I expected a completely different book like I had this assumption that it was going to be like an indie melancholy mini comic collection hmm. just looking at the art style made like completely ridiculous assumption and yeah I expected less psychic kids is what I'm trying to say <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny I think with that art style it looks kind of goofy and light to me so that's that's weird to me that that's like the conclusion you came to it's just like a, a like you know it's like the person kind of looking a little forlorn on the cover and stuff um that's true but Mackenzie is like she's one of the more aware ones right. her and dina are the ones like their shit together the most so mm -hmm. and i think maybe it's also like knowing the publisher and i honestly didn't expect because it does go in some weirdo directions, which I really appreciate, and not necessarily what I expect from Conundrum, where uh, Andy publishes more kind of traditional. Yeah, but then you've also got Dakota, whose stuff is super weird. That's true. Maybe we should uh, do a quick explanation on kind of the, the rundown of Tower Kind, and I can I could do my version of it, if you because it's the worst thing in the world to ask an author to explain <laughs> their work. Yeah, I'd love to hear you describe um, it. So es essentially what I got from it was it's... Uh, it's at a real place in Toronto, right? Like a, yeah. a series of, um, was it 12? Uh, you know what, I don't actually know the exact number of buildings, um, but it's one of the most high population density areas in North America. Not just Canada, all right. of North America. And it's um, like just a few blocks. So it's like very big. like Hong Kong A little bit, style. it's like, like Canada's Kowloon City, only not that gross. Right. Um, and I really like the introduction by Georgia Weber, an introduction about um, kind of explaining the the kind of the reality that you took from and how much it was a real place and mm -hmm. and I, I really like she described it as people who live vertically because of the the height of the buildings they're in and and you also the design of the book how you put in um uh you see photos before you see your drawings of the, of the spaces and so you get this idea uh that was that's like clearly like this is a real place that real people live was that something that you planned before getting into it um when I started doing, like this was originally, it's kind of important to, to say, this was originally done as a subscription series. Mm -hmm. So it was uh, a small issue, 12 pages every month for 13 months. Um, so that wasn't really something I had the space to do in the issues. But when I was putting together the book, the compilation, which is, you know, what you're holding, I did, I did want photos for that. Okay. And um, I sort of was asking Andy, is this okay? Are you cool with this? And he, he was like, send it over. We'll see what we can do. Did you take the photos yourself? Yes, nice. I did. Oh, nice photos. Um, oh, so I, I totally derailed myself there. So it's, it's, uh, it's these 
it's these kids that live in this real place and they're all from uh they're 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 really like a diverse uh background of kids there's there's like um was there like it's like a good reflection of the kind of canadian immigrant yeah well i did sort of like um i didn't do a ton of research for this because i was i was living there and i mostly just wanted to like show what I was experiencing, but I did do like a little bit of fact checking to see like what is the demographics of this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, it's largely Filipino, mm-hmm. but there's a mix of like a lot of other um, immigration, uh, sorry, people coming from other countries as well. Um, so I wanted to definitely show Filipino population. There's some Filipino in the book that's being spoken because one of the kids speaks. Yeah, uh, one of the kids speaks every language. Right. Um, and I like how you never, I don't know, I don't think you actually say that. You just kind of show it. Yeah. Which is which is nice. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I put in there is like, I think it's funny. I don't know if anyone else does, but he's the only one who can re- read graffiti also. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. <laughs> yeah. Did you um, get help or did you Google Translate for all the... Translating. There's actually a, uh, a thank you page right at the beginning, oh, okay. which is all my translators. Um, I think you just passed it, actually. Yeah, there. Oh, yes. So that's everyone who helped me with translation. Uh, pretty much I sourced them through other cartoonists on Twitter. So some of those are cartoonists. Um, Meika is an illustrator in Germany whose art is fantastic. Um, Elena is a friend of mine in the Navy who speaks French better Navy. than I do. Yeah, she's in... Well, she's actually in the Air Force now, but is anyhow. That, is that Canadian Air Force and Navy? Yeah. We, yeah, have, yeah. we have a good Navy. I, I, I'm, I'm out of my element. <laughs> the subject they, has gone in a different how do, direction. How do they get moose in that far into the water? What? <laughs> just just Mountie. <laughs> Mounties don't ride moose, Brandon. Well, I know they walk too. But the horns float, so they become oh, like a flotation okay. device. There we go. And you get a paddle. I was trying to trying to lower this to uh, to a third grader's idea of Canada. Um, how did the book uh, City did over a thirteen month period? Is the little subscription thing? Um, was there a lot of change while making the book of kind of where it was starting and where it was going? Um, like story wise or art wise or both. Let's say both. Uh. Story-wise, I was actually kind of writing it as I went. Like, I'd had a, a series of scenes, and I knew the basic structure. Like, it starts off this group of people, this group of people, this group of people, and midway through, they start to sort of overlap. Um, so, like, I had the basic structure and some scenes, and I knew the ending. And yeah. then there was just, like, a part around the late middle that I hadn't figured out. And at one point, I think halfway through the book, I just nailed it all down. So that was pretty easy. I actually find writing is pretty easy um, for me. And art-wise, the first chapter was originally done digitally because I wanted to challenge myself to ink digitally because I'm terrible at it. And um, for this book, it's been redone by hand because it was terrible. <laughs> okay, I was so. going to say it doesn't look digital. No. It's not. I'm, I'm not good at it, uh, despite having tried. I will probably try again, but for this book, it is all by hand. So. Hmm. What are some, um, because we talked earlier about manga being a big influence for you growing up, but what was some more contemporary stuff you were looking at? Um, that was kind of feeding into your creative process? For, for this book specifically? Um, or this, or... Um, I was actually wondering book. if you'd read uh, the Katsuro Otomo book Domo. I haven't. Because uh, it's about a uh, psychic people that live in a gigantic uh, housing development. 
I would probably enjoy that. Book. Yeah, it's it's a really good book. It's just there's two psychic characters, but but this feels almost like a. Um, I, it was because I, I was reading it and actually thinking it kind of felt like a response to that, but apparently not. No, it's not. I should um I'll have to get you to write that down for me later. We'll yeah, exactly. But but kind of piggybacking off of Robin's question, is there um like are you involved involved at all in the in the Toronto comic scene? Do you hang out with the cartoons much? Well, I mean, Georgia Weber has been a pretty huge help for me, mm-hmm. and I think uh, at the time we started hanging out, it was a bit late for her influence to really show in this book, but I really like how she breaks down her visual metaphors, mm-hmm. and how she's really, really creative in like representing sound and using space and finding different, like really, really original ways of solving um, layout, and I just find her very clever. Uh, but I don't think that like shows in this work. Um, and I, uh, there are a few other cartoonists I hang out with. Um, mm-hmm. Mostly people make like doing self-publishing. Right. Yeah, because I, I like that sort of drive people have to do it themselves. Had you met Georgia Weber through her work, or did you know her work before you? No, we actually met through a different cartoonist, Jason Bradshaw, okay. who um, does the series Boredom Pays, which is uh, autobio about depression, and mm-hmm. it's really really good, and his art is fantastic. So. Uh, he knew her. I don't know how he knows her. <laughs> now, your other work, uh, Meat and Bone, uh, is coming from, feels like a completely different direction. Mm. It's more kind of interpersonal and introspective. Yeah. It's, it's a lot slower, in a way, too. It's um, probably not the right pace for a webcomic, honestly. It's really a slow build. It's taken a while to gain the momentum that I, I think it's finally, like, getting into this, the part where stuff is really happening. Yeah. And that's that's taken a while, and now it's gonna, the tone starts to change a lot where it is presently. Um, and that one I have, like, some, some clearer influences for, like, I think Octopus Pie is, like, blatantly an influence. Um, just it's sort of serious slice of life with some humor. Mm. But Meat and Bone also is, I'm specifically trying to tackle some, like, some serious issues. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's about eating disorders, very, very obviously. And then it's also about polyamory and um, body image, body positivity stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit, it's more serious. How um, do you use uh, issues as kind of your narrative devices? Mm, I like, it depends on the story. Like sometimes I don't even want them to be too overt in there. Like it with tower kind I wanted to capture a, a mood and a place more than I really wanted to get into like I could have probably tried to make it a lot about racial issues considering the neighborhood but I didn't really want to go there because it didn't feel like I it think was... that's a strength honestly the fact that you didn't go there because it would have been so easy to fall into that well it'll it'll depend on the story right yeah and with that story I don't think it would have worked no no so I I'm interested in if if um, in meat and bone if it was something where you had things you specifically wanted to talk to, or things that you uh, wanted to work out. Like, did you did you approach um, the polyamory and eating disorders, kind of knowing what you wanted to say, or was it something that you kind of had some blank spaces in your mind you were trying to fill in? Oh, I definitely knew what I wanted to say. I mean, Anna is she's evolved a lot, but she started as like a really serious. She was a self insert character, and mm-hmm. she's not really that anymore. But it was it's basically masked autobio that has changed into its own story. Mm-hmm. So I I was covering point by point, well this is the stupid thing I did and this is the stupid thing I did and I really like these were lessons I learned through this kind of 
bad time. And uh, then I didn't want it to just be that story, so I sort of started developing the other characters around it to flesh it out, and then it sort of snowballed from there and kind of became its own thing. Mm -hmm. So there are some really specific points that I've actually like slashed half of my list down and it's a lot shorter than it would have been. Right. Uh, so it's just the major stuff that stays. Do you feel that it, uh, so has it's veered away kind of from being autobiographical? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it doesn't, it doesn't feel like your, your current life, but it... It still feels a lot like my life about four years ago. Okay. <laughs> maybe five years ago, um, which, I mean, when I was writing the story, it was still based on the past. Right. So now that past is farther away from me. And the way I'm writing the characters has changed from who I was at that time. Right, and also just the speed of doing comics, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it takes a while. Is there catharsis in it for you? Not yet. <laughs> I mean, in making comics in general, yeah, with this story specifically, not yet. It's, um, it's nice to write it, and I like the story, but it's not cathartic. Yeah. Okay, is, yeah, is that even something that you would want from it, or that you expect from it? I kind of feel like I, I killed those demons pretty successfully already, so I don't really need that catharsis from it. Like, I, I found that in other ways. Mm -hmm. So, it's cool. It's just a good story. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to talk a bit about the, the body image stuff and how um, the role that um, classic Jane Fonda plays mm. for the protagonist. Um, Jane Fonda came out with this book, which is uh, Jane Fonda's workout book. And I bought it because I had an eating disorder and I thought she was gorgeous and also it was like cheap and on sale, so I read it. And she actually had all this great stuff about her own eating disorder and how she used exercise to kind of get over that and how she'd gotten into it. And I found it really uh, liberating or just kind of, I could relate to it. Mm -hmm. So, and that, like, I didn't become obsessed with Jane Fonda from that. I just thought it was, like, a really nice editorial piece she put at the beginning of her, her workout book. But I thought it was kind of cute and funny to have a character who is, like, so obsessed with somebody who is really not of her generation. Right. Like, Jane Fonda is not something most 20-year-olds... And you never go into the Hannaway Jane Fonda stuff, do you? No, I, I don't know, <laughs> actually. Um, mostly just it's, like, I know Barbarella, and I saw um, They Shoot Horses, Don't They?, which is, like, soul-destroyingly right. depressing, mm -hmm. but... No. It's sad. Yeah. If you want to cry, you should watch that. I don't like to cry. Well, then don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's interesting how the way um, finding ways to connect with something um, and kind of identifying something is always an interesting process of really filtering through things. I don't know if it really made sense at all there today. <laughs> <laughs> no, you did. I was just like, is this going to be a question? It's a nice observation. <laughs> yeah. It's just an observation. Um, are there other things that have informed that work, specifically, Meat and Bone? Uh, that's, that's like, the, the big thing. Yeah. Like, it's the big underlying theme. And there's, there's other stuff about, like, um, my own observations of problematic or abusive relationships, mm. like... You're going to see a bit more of that as Marshall becomes a bigger character. Um, but also just like, it's kind of a slice of life comic on top of all the really serious stuff. So there's just like life observations. So what's the ultimate take on the polyamory? Because it confuses the fuck out of me. <laughs> like polyamory itself or polyamory and meat and bone? or Either mm. or. Is there, what, can we help you with this, Robin? 
I'm not interested in it. You don't have to. You, <laughs> that's, the, that's the amazing thing. I just thing always about see it, it as like a big train is wreck. You don't have to be in it. I, I, I do. Um, but just jumping up, I, I, I often sometimes, this is just my own bias. I, I've seen a lot of people in polyamorous relationships that will end up in uh, non polyamorous relationships as soon as they're like, it all, it, sometimes it can feel like they're like a placeholder. Like, I'm dating someone while looking. Yeah, that is happens a lot. I see that too. Um, which is not, like, there's no, the only wrong way I think to do polyamory is to not communicate. Right. Because when you're not communicating, that's when you get trained. Yeah. So like you can be polyamorous and then when you find somebody who suddenly you're like, well, I'm kind of done with the polyamory thing. There shouldn't be anything wrong with that. Mm -hmm. And that sort of comes up at some point, not yet. Um, but mostly like the polyamory stuff in the comic is about communication and how not to do it mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, how that works. So new concepts, I guess. Do you, want, do you want to, does he have polyamory stuff you need to work through, Robin? No, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's okay to have an experimental phase, you know? Yeah. It's not part of my life. Like, I have a, what, 15, 16 year monogamous relationship. So oh, I'm an, well. I'm more power to you then. Yeah. Um, fight the power. Uh, <laughs> Notice how it, it is getting too much into it. I was thinking about how there, there's a certain, uh, it feels like a very, uh, Maybe it hopefully doesn't sound patronizing. It sounds like a young person, a good model for a young person relationship. But, but at a certain point, it's almost like, oh, that's a lot of energy. Um, Have you I known don't... many polyamorous people that that do it later in life? No, mostly everyone I know who's in that community is younger. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if that's like a an energy thing or if it's like again a sort of new concepts thing. Like it's not that new a concept. I guess it's no. sort of sixties. Rip. stuff from then but it's a different take on the on the swingers it's mm -hmm. very different from from that it, it definitely has less creepy connotations than swinger yeah yeah not key parties um i've totally taken us off in the wrong direction yeah people yeah. are complicated right relationships are complicated they are they are <laughs> uh, um also i'm interested in um so in doing in doing tower kind and meat and bone is there are there are you a kind of creator that prefers to work on one project at once, or do you do you kind of have multiple things going on in your head for different projects at the same time? Uh, I think I can do multiple things at once, and I like doing that, but I can't always do the same stage of them. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm writing Meat and Bone right now, and I'm drawing Meat and Bone right now. I'm almost done writing it, and once I'm done writing it, I'm going to move on to uh, this other project I sort of have lined up, but I don't think I could really write them at the same time. and. Mm -hmm. After trying to draw Tower Kind and Meat and Bone at the same time, I'm not sure I could draw them at the same time. At least not like um, the way my life is kind of set up at the moment. Yeah. Do you want different things out of your works? Because they are both very different works, um, Tower Kind and Meat and Bone. Mm -hmm. Well, that kind of goes back to like being torn between like super fun make out whatever comics and really art comics. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't. Feel like I can always get both of them in one work so all of my works are probably going to wind up being tonally really really different hmm. and even now there's like some work that I'm sort of doing in sketchbooks and stuff that is way more artistic and like almost nonsensical and it's um it's trying to convey feelings or like ideas without actually stating them so that's so different from both of these other works that it's you know you think it's a different person making are these maybe. sequential 
barely. <laughs> yeah, it's like one page here or maybe two pages. It's just kind of thoughts at the moment. Now, you said you went to OCAD, mm-hmm. which is a pretty conceptual school. Yeah. What was your final project? Um, I did a thesis on uh, superstition sort of twisted to fit real world, world situations. Which, which would be... That was so many years ago. I don't really want to talk about my thesis. <laughs> it's like so, so irrelevant to what I do now. <laughs> I, like how, I like how there's no, there's no gauge at all for the comic you did when you were 13, but the thesis is too, is too long ago. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um, Give it some time, Robin. Sorry. <laughs> the polyamory stuff is fine, but not the thesis thing. No, I think it's... Um, I'm not super happy with my OCAD experience, so... Yeah. I'm just like, whatever, let's talk about comics. <laughs> what, was your, what was your final project in polyamory? Uh, what final project? <laughs> <laughs> it's too soon, you're going to get a horrible grade. Um, I'm going to get a great grade. <laughs> <laughs> um. So um, um, where, do you, where do you see your work in kind of... Um, like, do you do you feel as though your your work kind of fits into a, a scene going on in comics, or is there is there work that you look at that you are um, like even outside of, of comics and in fine art or in in, in prose that you uh, kind of aim your work towards? Uh, in comics, there's like some artists where I feel like, yeah, I feel like I'm sort of in that vein of comics, but I don't know if it's exactly like fitting in with a movement that's going on, unless it's maybe like the um, the queer movement. I feel mm-hmm. pretty cozy that I'm part of the queer movement. Um, but in terms of like, I don't know, I, I'd have a hard time seeing myself in like superhero comics or mainstream mm-hmm. art or something like that. Oh, right. There's something I'm interested in just that kind of, when you have uh, similar-minded cartoonists in your community, like we're talking about Georgia Weber earlier, who's mm-hmm. dumb as fantastic. Yeah. And, um, and like feeding off of that and um, do you ever see any collaboration with other folks or do you kind of get input on what you're making like editorially? I get I get input like uh, we do comic jams and sort of critique and uh, fuel each other and talk about a lot of like theory around comics uh, the people I'm hanging out with and Sorry, what was the first part? <laughs> I forgot. Oh, uh, like uh, collaborating at all? Collaborating, no. Um, I've tried a couple times, and it hasn't really taken off yet. Um, I might be doing a collaboration coming up, but I'm not sure yet. Mm-hmm. And some cal- collaborations I've tried to do in the past, just like after trying to hack it out a couple times, it's just like mm, artistically we didn't work together, or we wound up just through chance we're doing other projects now and we don't have time to do the same thing together. I do think I would be really careful about who I'm working with because I really am used to writing and drawing and doing all my own work mm-hmm. myself so I'd really want to work with somebody who I trust or who I know their work so well that I know it's just going to go well between us and right. I, I haven't sought that out yet. Would you prefer to write for someone or draw for someone? Uh, draw in ink actually. Like uh, ink over someone's pencils? Yeah actually. That is something I would totally enjoy, because mm. inking is kind of my favorite part of the game. So it is fun. Do you do, your pencils are pretty clean though, right? From what I saw. Uh yeah, I usually go with my first drafts. Okay. <laughs> so. Uh, do you, do you feel um, 
I wonder, kind of, kind of seeing your your work as, as part of the the kind of queer comic community, if you feel any obligation to, um, like like Tower Kind doesn't doesn't feel as like there's no sexuality isn't really something that no, but like meat I and know bone is pretty central. Oh yeah, it's super central in Meat and Bone. But in Tower Kind, I know like there are queer characters in it. Right. It's just not it's not central. to... Oh yeah, the Duck and Daniel. Yeah, they're almost like one. Yeah, they're kind of like two halves of a coin. Yeah. Yeah. I was assuming the um, the character that announces himself as the king at the beginning. Um, he actually goes. He's. He, I don't want to give it away because, like, I don't. There's never going to be another book. Right. And all this stuff is just in my mind, so I feel like talking about it is almost like, I don't know, uh, too self-serving or it's just sort of pointless. Like, I know these characters. I know where they'll go, and I know who they are very deeply. But like, you guys are never going to see it. <laughs> does the Does the world change dramatically after the? Hugely. So it's all post-apocalyptic. And... It would be, yeah. I thought about doing a sequel for a while, but I just don't think it would really honor the first book very well. So it's not going to happen. You're just going to withhold that Now that I've world. said that, it'll happen in like 10 years. <laughs> yes. Tell me about how location um, plays a role, because of that one very obvious, you know, certain part of Toronto, um, the Kensington Market takes a big role in the meat and bone. Mm-hmm. Um, also, um... The, the three roommates in Meat and Bone, Jane, Anne, and Gwen, they live in St. Jamestown also. Oh, okay. So they're, they're in the same neighborhood as the Tower Kind kids. Do you still live there? I don't, actually, but I would totally move, move back there. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess more than just like taking inspiration from the places I see, I like sort of setting my work in, in reality and representing neighborhoods that don't get shown very much. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want my work to feel like really Canadian, and I, you don't have to like show specific buildings to do that. But I find Michael DeForge's work is super Canadian, but he like doesn't really do architecture that much. Um, it's just the little maple leaves that fall in the background. Yeah, but it's also like the tone of his comics. Yeah, he's feels. working on a story now about buildings. <laughs> That's not just derail. Um, I, I was like, wondering if I should draw them. I, I like that them. idea of of that Canadian identity and how that kind of is almost a central character some people really fight it I remember I did a panel at TCAF four or five years ago on uh, specifically on I wanted to be about the Canadian identity and somehow it turned into like mainstream people doing Canadian mainstream people how do they maintain their Canadianness? and they just like didn't want to acknowledge being Canadian in a way. <laughs> like, don't stick me on alpha That's flight. like exactly what I don't want to be. Uh, yeah, that sounds, that does sound really un, unappealing. Was that something that was important to you growing up, is, is finding Canadian cartoonists? Um, no, and I actually feel like I'm, I'm kind of slow in the, the cartooning game. Like, I take a lot of inspiration from nature, but I'm a little bit slow on keeping on top of pop culture, including comics, which is probably not good as a cartoonist, but, um... I think I felt more connected to place after being somewhere else and coming back and seeing like, oh, this is like what I've left behind and now I'm here again. Was that Australia specifically? Yeah, when I was in Australia for a long time. Okay. So then I came back and it was like, well, this is where I'm from and I want I want to like I want that to be part of my life. Mm-hmm. What do you think are some quintessentially Canadian ideas or Canadian experiences that you missed out on? Mm. Well, just like anything. Anything involving snow, <laughs> pretty much. Um, you wouldn't last in Vancouver. No, uh, well, I don't know. I, the thing is, I really love the heat. I don't actually like being cold or the snow, but I like the Canadianness of it, and I lo- I like sort of 
the nostalgia I get for being a kid who got to build snow forts that were like taller than me, mm-hmm. um, and the changing of the seasons and the really like uh, clear delineation of time that you get in the north. Hmm. And then there's like some some more subtle stuff like our mannerisms, and um, just like a, a politeness, but even just sort of a a laid backness. I think we get in Canada. I don't know, it's, it's hard to define with words. I find it easier to kind of draw it out. I'm wondering if, uh, I feel like part of the Canadian identity, because I'm, I'm from the States, mm. and uh, I'm part of the Canadian identity, I wonder is formed by being so close to America but not American, so it's almost like sitting next to a, a kid who's an asshole and then seeming slightly nicer because you're not... I think there's part of that, and I definitely think there's sort of like um, middle kid syndrome or something like that, but I felt it less as an adult like growing up uh, I talked to people a lot about Mm -hmm. how we were like especially in Toronto we're small New York or something like that but I feel like people don't see that as much now like that there's more of um, a coming into our own as a as a culture but that could just be like the age of the people I'm hanging out with now where we as individuals have less inferiority towards the states well it's hard to deny in in comic books how, how strong the Canadian comic scene is right now yeah yeah, that probably helps. Um, there's a lot of really great cartoons in Canada right now. Yeah, it's got to be tough at TCAF buying things. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Too much. Even at VanCAF, actually. Yeah, you Van got Caff a good stack is, of stuff. I got a fair stack of stuff. I have like um, I have a bit of a space issue right now, so I can't pick up a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But um, I got more than I planned to get. Yeah, it was an especially good VanCAF this year. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like twice as big now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Go VanCAF. Yay, Vancouver. Uh, well, thank you, Kat, for coming to Vancouver yeah. and coming over to Brandon's for us to chat with you. Reminder, folks, uh, Kat's book is Tower Kind, as well as the webcomic Meat and Bone, um, which you can read on the internet and find in better comic stores. And, uh, yeah, thank you, Kat. Yeah, you're welcome. It was fun. To be better than my friends I just wanted to prove wrong the people in my head The ones who told me I'd be better off dead The ones who told me that I would never win When I delivered newspapers they said I was too slow When I was a barista they said I made lousy foam When I worked in retail they said I was a slob Much too dumb for school and much too lazy for a job So I rode my bike like lightning And I made cappuccinos that would make the angels sing Took two showers a day and I dressed up like a princess Shook my fist in my own face and said I'll show you who's the best I wrote the kinds of papers teachers hang up on their walls I was employee of the month at seven different shopping malls And one time playing football I pulled the tendons in my leg To prove that I was tough I hopped on one foot And finished up the game thought if I succeeded I'd be happy and they'd go away But first thing every morning I'd still wake up and I'd hear them say You're fat, ugly, and stupid, you should really be ashamed No one will ever like you, you're not good at anything And sometimes I'd rise to the challenge But other times I'd feel 
so bad that I could not get out of bed. And on the days I stayed in bed, I sang and sang and sang about how crappy I felt, not realizing how many other people would relate. They didn't know how to say And the people in my head still visit me sometimes And they bring all of their friends But I don't mind I play my guitar like lightning When I sing, I like it when you sing too loud and clear Different voices, different tones All saying, yeah, we're not alone I got good at feeling bad And that's why I'm still here I got good at feeling bad And that's why I'm still here I got good at feeling bad And that's why